Indiana's congressional delegation weighs in on the crisis in Afghanistan and the fight against COVID-19 and the Delta variant. Today, we'll talk with Senator Mike Braun, Representatives Victoria Sparts, Greg Pence, and Jim Baird, and Dr. Cameron Webb from the White House COVID response team, plus the battle over redistricting at the State House. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Indiana's COVID-19 numbers continue to climb at a sharp pace. We're going to hear from the governor coming up as he forms a new state health commission this week. We'll talk about that with our panel coming up. But today we're also talking about the situation in Afghanistan. Indiana's elected officials reacting to the rapidly deteriorating situation throughout the week. The White House and military has tried to deal with as the Taliban quickly takes control. Good morning. I'm Dan Spieler. It's a story many Hoosiers have been following closely with some having to evacuate Afghanistan in the midst of the chaos. Our elected officials also keeping a close eye on the situation. We spoke with several of our congressional representatives this past week. We had a situation where we had it stable and we had a sufficient number of troops to maintain that stability. And now we've turned that into chaos. At this point, we just have to do our best evacuating American people, American citizens, also the people who are our allies, how we can do that and see if we still can, you know, get some resources out. Let's just focus and let the military focus on the mission at hand, and that's to get people home. The execution has not worked, and that's uh, it. I don't think anybody thinks differently on that. All right, from the other side of the aisle, Congressman Andre Carson said the deteriorating situation is a tragedy. The U.S. government must continue to do everything in its power to get American citizens out of harm's way. He says we should also expand the visa program for Afghans who've aided U.S. troops. And he says he'll continue his efforts on the House Intelligence Committee to get answers, saying, quote, America cannot remain in Afghanistan forever, but we also can't turn our backs on the people who rely on us for security and guidance. Meantime, Congressman Jim Banks, a veteran, saying, I'll never forget the men and women I served alongside of in Afghanistan. Our president must assure them our nation will never forget their sacrifices and those of their families. Congressman Banks has been very critical of the president in recent days. This week, I spoke about the crisis in Afghanistan with Indiana Senator Mike Braun. I'm here now with Senator Mike Braun. Senator, thank you so much for spending some time with us this week. Hey, my pleasure. A lot to talk about, obviously, in Afghanistan, and there's certainly been a lot of blame to go around when it comes to the situation there and reasons to be critical of the current or former administrations and prior administrations. But what's the solution right now? What can be done differently, in your view, to help the people of Afghanistan and to help the Americans who are still trying to get home? And I think it's important, Dan, to actually look at that because it is clear. I've never seen a lambasting like this from the full spectrum politically and even as harsh on the liberal side as what you'd normally expect from the other point of view. We botched it in the sense that we had all the material there that we should have brought back into the center along with our people safely and the Afghanis who are really in peril that may have helped us along the way. And at least uh, it was such a chaotic uh, first uh, kind of sequence of it. Uh, they're acknowledging the problem and we're still going to be handicapped because we gave up a lot of what could have been. And that was keeping a hard perimeter uh, from these uh, uh, outward uh, air bases and to where we had stations and bring 
everything back into the center. And we're just, I guess, kind of lucky that the Taliban did stick with what they had kind of agreed to with Trump, that they're not going to hit us as we're going out. A lot of it just seems to be self-inflicted pandemonium, but I think it's still salvageable. I'm hoping that with everything we've learned within the chaos, that we take uh, as long as it takes with the ability to do it, to get the task accomplished uh, in a way that gets it minimally all of our folks out, the Afghanis that helped us. It looks like we're going to maroon an arsenal that will be larger than most countries have. And that's sad as well, because it all could have been done in a logistical way where we were uh, in a strong spot, even though everybody knew we needed to get out there. I, I agree with Trump originally and Biden. We cannot be in quagmires like Vietnam taught us first, Iraq did it again, and now here in Afghanistan. When you, we did hear former President Trump, even in recent months, say it's time to get out of Afghanistan now, that we shouldn't waste more money or American lives here. So so is there blame to go around? And again, when it comes to solutions, what, what else should we be considering at this point? You know, I think the blame game on something that is as critical as this, there definitely is egg on our face. And, you know, I think along with the southern border, uh, where, again, uh, the policies were working, you know, I and about 18 other senators were down there in March. And just because Trump did it, I think we should have kept that in place until you had a better plan B. And now this in Afghanistan politically, you know, I think if you end up turning this around and actually doing a good job with everything we've learned, uh, despite how chaotic it's been this first week or so, uh, we can get through it. Uh, um, I also want to ask about the pandemic today, the federal government now clearing the way for a, a booster shot of the COVID-19 vaccine. I, I know you've shied away from discussing your own vaccination status, but we are seeing more and more companies now requiring vaccinations. Now this news about boosters. What's your message for Hoosiers about the need for these vaccines right now? You know, from the beginning, uh, I did floor speeches about how tricky this navigation was going to be. And it was a balance between our own health and the health of the economy. And that's played out. But in this case, uh, I remember interviewing Fauci and Redfield about who was going to do the vaccine. It was a miracle we got it done. And I've been very straightforward. Get the vaccine. You have to have a good reason why not to. And including the booster, I don't think that it's probably going to be the uh, end all solution in the sense that most of these variants have come from overseas and we're going to have to contend with this maybe on an ongoing basis. All right. Part of my interview there with Senator Mike Braun. Meantime, as Indiana's numbers continue to climb, I spoke one on one this week with a member of the White House COVID response team, Dr. Cameron Webb. This fight is certainly not over, even though we've got uh, almost 200, well now 200 million people who've had at least one dose of these vaccines, we still are seeing that there are a lot of cases, there are a lot of people in hospitals, and there are unfortunately still too many people dying from this pandemic. And so I think the idea here is to make sure we don't lose any of the progress that we've already gained. You know, folks who were vaccinated early on in this process, often some of the most vulnerable, highest risk individuals, whether they're healthcare workers or, or seniors, they're coming up on that eight month window where the most recent data that we have is showing that, you know, that, that uh, immune response may start to wane. And we don't want to wait until we see those people getting sick or being hospitalized. We want to make sure that we develop the plan before then. So today's announcement 
really just was the plan. And I think we're going to wait to see FDA make their formal recommendation. We're going to wait for the advisory committee on immunization practices to make their recommendation. But we wanted to have all the pieces in place. If they say we need to go forward with boosters, like some of the evidence is currently seeming to suggest, we want to make sure we're ready to fly and, and get those shots to folks to keep people protected. The goal is September 20th, if all of those other things fall in line uh, from the FDA on the authorization and, and that process. I want to talk about Indiana specifically here, Dr. Webb. We've been in the bottom half of states when it comes to uh, vaccine hesitancy, obviously, has been a problem both in our rural and in some of our urban areas as well. How does the White House COVID response team meet the challenge of getting the first shot out to people uh, as we also talk about now these third shots for, for some Americans as well? Yeah, you know, uh, it's a bit like juggling. You know, this is uh, another ball in the air, but yet we feel like we're in a pretty good rhythm with folks continuing to get vaccinated every day. And you look all over the country, over the last few weeks, we actually had an increase in the number of folks being vaccinated. I think as they see the damage that this Delta variant can cause. And so certainly from the White House standpoint, we're continuing to push full speed ahead to make sure that we are you know, getting vaccines into communities, but also continuing to message appropriately. But you know, in Indiana, you've got a, a great messenger and, and former Surgeon General Jerome Adams, who's continuing to, to push and talk to folks about getting vaccinated. And we met with him just a couple of weeks back. And we, we continue to just try to work with anyone and everyone who can help spread the word about how important these really safe, really effective vaccines are. All right, my interview there with Cameron Webb from the White House COVID response team. Also this week, Governor Holcomb forming a new state health commission to focus not only on COVID, but other health issues we may face in the future. Kristen Eskow has more. The task ahead couldn't be more important, and the time of the work that's going to be conducted couldn't be more pressing. Governor Eric Holcomb says the pandemic has revealed the strains on Indiana's public health system and acknowledges changes are long overdue. That's why he's created a commission of 15 people led by a former state senator and former health commissioner. They will conduct listening tours around the state and identify shortcomings and potential solutions for Indiana's 94 health departments. We have some larger departments that have hundreds of staff members, while smaller counties may be lucky to have three to six full-time members, and sometimes many of those are part-time. State Health Commissioner Dr. Christina Box says the goal is to improve access to public health services. She says the commission will examine funding, the public health workforce, and services for children. It will also review the state's COVID-19 response. We'll be looking back at the past pandemic and how we might be able to improve even our response uh, going forward to a public health emergency. Dr. Box says the commission will meet monthly starting in September and issue a report with recommendations late next summer. Then Holcomb will work with the state legislature and others to implement those changes. And our hope and what will drive us is this is going to lead to a better system uh, over the next 100 years. Governor Holcomb says this commission will not serve in any advisory role regarding the immediate response to the COVID-19 pandemic and will instead remain focused on long-term solutions. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kristen Escow. Kristen, thanks. Coming up, we'll talk with our panel about the pandemic, the situation in Afghanistan, and the battle over redistricting at the State House, with new census data laying the groundwork for that debate that lies ahead. 
Welcome back. Joined now by our panel from IndiePolitics.org, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, along with Rima Shahid, Mike Murphy, and Bill Moreau. Let's start with you, Abdul, as we talk about the state and local response to COVID-19. The governor launching this new health commission this week. He's not planning on any statewide mask mandates. We have seen a lot of local school districts have to make those decisions in the face of rising case numbers and in spite of a lot of loud, even unruly opposition at local school board meetings. Um, yes, uh, and because the governor has decided not to do a mask mandate or a vaccination mandate, uh, a lot of that is following down to the local levels. Uh, you had Marin County Courts said, hey, we're putting a mask mandate back into the city county building. You've got schools doing it. You've got companies saying, hey, either get vaccinated or get tested every day. So I think at the end of the day, uh, it's sort of working the way we thought it would, just not from a, not from the top down, but from a bottom up approach. And 98% of all the new hospital cases are folks who haven't been vaccinated. So uh, I don't know how much simpler we can make this. Go get vaccinated. Unless you've got a medical reason or religious reasons, go get vaccinated. Health officials, state uh, officials uh, continue uh, to deliver that message as well. Let's turn to Rima Shahid now with Women for Change Indiana. Rima, the other big story this week, the crisis in Afghanistan. A lot of concern right now about the situation there and particularly for the women of Afghanistan, now that the Taliban has has taken control. Um, this is especially personal for me as my grandfather immigrated from Afghanistan to Pakistan. Um, so I have Afghani blood in me, and this is especially personal and emotional topic to talk about for myself. I think it's a joke that the Taliban is now encouraging women to join the, the government and keep their positions. It's no different than, than the wolf dressing up as a grandmother in Little Red Riding Hood trying to entice her. I don't trust the Taliban in any way. I also think it's a very sad time for the Afghan people because Thursday, August 19th, was Afghanistan's Independence Day. And I can't remember in my lifetime when the people of Afghanistan have had true independence, were able to thrive on their own as an independent state. I think that the United States government has failed the, the Afghan people, President Ghani has failed the Afghan people, and certainly the army from Afghanistan, the Afghan army has failed its people. And, and my heart bleeds for these people and, and what they're going through and what they've gone through already. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a heartbreaking situation uh, all, all around. I want to bring in former State Representative Mike Murphy. Mike, your, your response to that, what about the, the politics involved here? The president has certainly taken a lot of criticism for how this has unfolded, and the former president other administrations in the past have as well? Well, first of all, I can't add anything of meaning beyond what Rima said. I mean, she, she knows it so much more intimately than I do, certainly. But I can tell you that it's both parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, who deserve a lot of the blame, both the Trump administration and the Biden administration. But the bigger picture is, Dan, is we, never, we don't learn from history, and so we're condemned to repeat it. I don't care if it's Vietnam during the Nixon uh, and uh, Ford administration, they screwed that up. You had Iraq under Bush. You have uh, this mess with Biden and with Trump. We never seem to learn. We cannot nation build in countries whose cultures are so different from us. They, they are never going to appreciate or understand our system, and we should not try to force it on them. The other big topic we're going to talk about today is one that impacts uh, our state and our nation every 10 years. We're talking about the redistricting process of redrawing all the maps for our legislative districts with the new census data that's just come out in recent days. Bill Moreau is with the Indiana Citizen. And Bill, the census data is finally here. There have been a handful of public meetings uh, already. What is next in this process? 
Well, Danny, you're absolutely right. Um, the census data was delivered to the states last uh, Thursday, so it's game on, all right? It, this is the time when it gets very, very serious. Um, the nine hearings that were held in each of the nine congressional districts, we've gone through that show and tell uh, uh, process. Um, now the question becomes uh, whether those in power are going to produce draft maps uh, in a way that Hoosiers can respond and off offer alternatives. Uh, right now, the indication is that when they uh, reconvene on September 20th, um, there'll be a hearing in the House Elections Committee. Uh, the map will be presented and then uh, pushed through just like it was uh, 10 years ago. So um, those of us who are particularly following this process are you know, hopeful that there'll be a sufficient time given to analyzing the maps. And by the way, a shout out to Rima and her organization, Women for Change, who made a serious contribution to this debate by retaining a, a George Washington political science professor by the name of David Warshaw. It's proved conclusively that the uh, maps that we've been under for the last 10 years are some of the worst partisan gerrymandering exercises uh, in history. So okay. for crying out loud, and by the way, that's never been rebutted. So. For the next 10 years, let's wipe the slate clean and try to draw fair maps, and let's draw them in the sunshine. Rima, your organization uh, has also called for a, a more transparent process and, and maps that you feel might better represent Hoosiers. What's the answer here? How do you want to see this process changed? Well, uh, to, to quote a, a fellow feminist, the, the late RBG, I think she said it best that constituents get to choose their elected officials. Elected officials don't get to choose their constituents. And with this partisan extreme gerrymandering that we're hearing, that we have here in the state of Indiana, that's what's happening. And so I urge Hoosiers to call their representatives and ask the representatives, what is their involvement in the redistricting process? And are they making sure that their constituents, their voters are being counted? And, and Dan, to also expand that this we believe does not just affect the next 10 years, but beyond. Because food for thought, as many students go back to school right now, today's first graders will be voting the next time mm. the maps are drawn to encourage and engage generations of, of engaged citizens. It is essential that this is an open, fair process that Hoosiers and constituents have an opportunity to weigh in, to look at the maps before they're voted. Okay. Um, and when that doesn't happen, we wonder why people don't have trust in our government. And Mike, process. Mike, your response well, to that? You've served in the I legislature. Have a, I have a better quote, and that is, you can't always get what you want. And I think it comes from the Rolling Stones. You know, I appreciate and respect Bill Moreau, but John Gregg, who was in charge of the 1991 redistricting. It was wrong then. It was wrong <laughs> well, then, I'm Mike. Glad, I'm glad you say that. Because it was wrong then. The sin, the civic sin of gerrymandering is wrong Whoever does. It. I'm glad to hear that, Bill, because what happened was in 19 in the 90s, the Republicans, despite the gerrymandering effects of the Democrats, were able to take away the majority for a few years. And then when the Democrats again had the chance to gerrymander in 2001, Ed Mayher, my good friend who was in charge, actually ended up losing his next election, even though he drew his own district. So it's going to happen. We're going to have gerrymandering. The Republicans are in the supermajorities. The Democrats could still win the majority, frankly. And to say it's the worst gerrymandering in, ten, in, in, in history, I think is, is uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's not. Um, it happens every 10 years. Whoever's in charge 
makes a roll. So again, you can't always get what you want, Dan. Okay. See, this uh, is that spoil system mentality that's gotten us to you know where, where we are. You know, it was it was revenge okay. in 2011. Well, and I and I think the goal is not to be greedy. The Republicans could draw congressional districts that only leave one Democrat. Okay. If we have eight Republicans, one Democrat, and instead we've decided okay. to have seven two, so we don't get greedy. Okay, we gotta leave it there, guys. Thank you so much. It's a discussion we'll continue to have, uh, no doubt, in the weeks to come. Coming up next, local veterans reacting to the crisis in Afghanistan. We'll be right back after this. With the situation unfolding in Afghanistan, many veterans who serve there are reacting with some big concerns about what's happening. The Wounded Warrior Project has been providing some extra support to help them through, others expressing a, a wide range of emotions about the situation overseas. Intense feelings of grief uh, and anxiety, uh, disgust, um, all of that leading to anger. You can see more of those interviews on our website. Stick around, we're back to wrap things up right after this. Okay, welcome back. Time for this week's Winners and Losers. Mike, I'll start with you. Well, I think uh, there's two losers this week. Certainly President Joe Biden for the mess he's made of the Afghanistan withdrawal. And second is a guy who we may come to know, this guy named Ro Ray Roseberry, who drove his truck up on the steps of the uh, Library of Congress. If we cannot discuss our differences without resorting to bombs and bomb threats, then we don't have a big future as a republic. Rima? Um, two losers as well. President Ghani, who fled Afghanistan and left the people of Afghanistan, and those that manipulate the maps in their favors. Abdul? Uh, my big winner this week is actually State Representative Greg Sturwell of Avon. Uh, he was the author of uh, House Bill 106, a major criminal justice reform bill, and also uh, the author of legislation to get illegal gun, legally possessed guns off the street. And my losers, unfortunately, are the people of Afghanistan this week. Bill, you get the last word. Well, I'm a born-again idealist, so I'm hopeful the people of Indiana will be made winners uh, when the General Assembly draws fair maps in the sunshine and improves the civic health of Indiana by that. Okay. we got to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.